You are listening to the Lima Baptist Temple podcast, where you can hear the latest messages and other conversations as we strive to go serve and love in our communities. If you want to know more about us, visit us online at limabaptisttemple.org. If you've enjoyed our podcast, be sure to subscribe and check us out on YouTube. Uh, the title of today's message is called Maceo Day or Maceo Day. Uh, it literally means a missionary God. It's the Latin Christian theological term that is translated as the mission of God or the sending of God. Next weekend is our missions conference. So literally a week from today uh, is our missions conference, and we're going to have some special speakers at both the 9.45 and 11 a.m. So I encourage you, come out here for that and be there for that. Uh, our student ministry is planning a trip to Alaska this summer. In case you didn't notice the big wall out there at the Welcome Center that says Alaska. Um, we're planning a uh, missions trip to Alaska. Uh, we'll be there July 5th through the 12th. And we're going to be taking 24 people um, to Wasilla, Alaska to work with Thirst Missions um, and we would love for you to join us in praying for us for that. And also, if you would consider um, financially supporting us, that would be great. How you can do that is on that wall out in the Welcome Center, there's some envelopes. Grab an envelope, uh, put the designated amount on the front of the envelope, in the envelope, drop that off in an offering box, and uh, that will get to the Alaska missions trip. So consider that um, in partnering with us both through prayer and financially. I love going on missions trips. All right, I love going on missions trips. One of the, the cool things about going on missions trips is getting to go to a new place, meeting new people, uh, and even one of the, the better things is uh, eating new food. That's always great, is experiencing the local cultural cuisine. Um, I actually, I, I really wanted to, and I will if I ever go back to Peru, uh, but they eat guinea pigs. And uh, I, we were there, and I really considered it. I did eat beef heart while I was there, um, which was the best meat I've ever eaten in my life. Um, and so I, I'm definitely going to have, if I ever go back to Peru, I'm definitely going to have to try the guinea pig. Um, but the best thing about missions trips is the purpose that you go for, right? And the purpose to go for is to share the love of Christ and to share the gospel message with people in this region, wherever you're going, right? That's the reason we go. Um, back in August, I started working on my master's degree in next generation ministry, uh, and I just finished a class called Global Survey Studies. And before that, I, I did a class on uh, contemporary evangelism. And while taking these classes, we we have also been studying the Book of Acts in the student ministry on Sunday mornings. And so all those things kind of equaled into this message. The, the studying the book of Acts, the, the, the classes I'm going through, uh, the fact that we're getting ready to go on a missions trips, it's kind of all culminated in this message. And so I encourage you, lean in on what we're going to have to say today through the scripture, what God is going to reveal to us. Lean in on it. Get, get, open your ears, open your heart, and be ready. In the book of Acts, uh, chapter 1, verse 8, uh, Jesus tells us this. He says, you will receive power... When the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. It's a reminder of the great commission that he gives us in the end of all the Gospels, right? It's, it's a reminder of we have a mission. We've been given a great commission, right, to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, then 
uh, we get to see that when Jesus gives that command in Acts 1.8, but then we get to see that fulfilled because hindsight 2020, we get to see in the book of Acts, because we have the privilege of having the word of God, we get to see uh, that take place in the book of Acts and how the gospel went from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Um, but I want to look at a specific story in Acts, and that story is found in Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. Um, some of you guys may know this story, some of you may not. So if you don't know the story, um, give you a little context. There's these two guys named Cornelius and Peter. Everybody knows who Peter is, right? Everybody knows Peter. Cornelius, maybe not so much. Cornelius was a uh, Roman official. He was part of the Roman army. He was, um, he was Roman. He was not Jewish. Um, he had no connections with the Jewish people other than the fact that he was reigning over them as a uh, Roman official, right? They, Rome had captivity of this area during this time, and so he was living there, and he was overseeing different things taking place. Uh, Cornelius was a Gentile, and from the Jewish perspective, Gentiles were often seen as pagans who do not know the true God. They were viewed as enemies, and Jews didn't associate with them, right? That was Cornelius. On the other hand, we have Peter. Peter was a Jew. He was one of the early disciples, the pinnacle leader of the early church. We hear more about him in the book of Acts uh, than anybody else because he was there. He started the uh, church and was a pinnacle leader. Um, being a Jew, he took great pride in his cultural and religious heritage, um, and they considered, like I said, Gentiles to be unclean. They called them dogs. They called them the uncircumcision, unclean, impure. That was who the Gentiles were to the Jewish people. Gentiles and even half-Gentiles, Samaritans, were viewed as enemies to be shunned and not interacted with. And so there's, there's this really bad blood, really bad feud going on um, and has been going on between Gentiles and Jews. And if I could compare it to something that us Americans could uh, understand, I would compare it to um, the relationship between African Americans and Caucasians in the 1950s. That's what it would be similar to. Even some of that spills over in today, but it would be, spill over into, that was what it was like. It was back in the 1950s, Caucasians and African Americans, and the relationship and the tension that was in there would be uh, similar to the Jews and Gentiles in these verses. And so Peter gets a vision. He gets a vision. It's really confusing. The sheet comes down with some unclean animals in it, and God tells him to rise up and eat, and he refuses. Uh, and then God tells him, don't consider anything that I have cleaned to be impure. And so eventually Peter uh, submits to God's authority, and he ends up going to the house of Cornelius, and people accept the gospel, and people receive the Holy Spirit, and they're baptized. And that's when we see the gospel enter into the Gentile uh, nation. But I want to look specifically uh, at verse 27 and 28. Verse 27 and 28. It says, while talking with him, right, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure 
or unclean. I want to paint a picture for you, okay? In this text, this is what's happening. Peter comes up to the house. He comes up to the door, and he knows that there's people outside on this side of the door, and there's people inside, and the people inside need to hear the gospel. They need to experience the love of Jesus. And Peter, knowing all of this, right, knowing the context of of what's happening between the Jews and Gentiles, Peter crosses over that threshold. He crosses over that threshold because the gospel commands it, and he's been commissioned to cross over the threshold, to go into a house that he was not allowed to go into, to go into a place that was against his culture, that was against the political norms of the day. And so Peter crosses that threshold to go into Cornelius' house because he had the gospel message and he knew that they needed to hear that message. He knew that someone needed to experience the love of Jesus through the message of the gospel. I can't help but wonder how Peter was thinking during this moment. Everything he's been taught, everything he's been shown as a young child, as a man, everything in him is saying, don't go through that door. Don't cross over that threshold. And I, and I be, wonder if Peter began to look back at Jesus and his experiences with Jesus and how Jesus modeled for him not to be that way. How Jesus modeled by healing on the Sabbath. How Jesus ate and hung around the tax collectors and the prostitutes. When he talked to the Samaritan woman, when he stayed and ate at the house of Zacchaeus. I can't help but wonder all these situations that Peter had experienced as he was walking through that door, taking the gospel to somebody who needed it. What was Peter thinking? Was he thinking about all of that Jesus has modeled, or was he thinking about, man, I'm about to make a big mistake. I'm going to be shunned. I'm going to be ostracized. There's going to be people in my life that are going to uh, look at me differently because I walk through that door. What was going on through his mind? What was going on in his heart? And so there's a few application things that I want to get out of this message. And the first one is I think that the Bible's clear that we have a mission. We have a specific task. That specific task is given to everyone that claims to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And that task is to go and preach the good news of the gospel. Listen, it's not just the preacher's mission or the small group leader's mission to go share the gospel. Everybody who's committed their life to Christ is to be hope dealers or spreading the message of hope in our lives, namely the message of Christ. It's our assignment on earth. It's not my assignment. It's our assignment to be on mission to have a mission of specific tasks, to go and present the gospel to people. Listen, the gospel is an invitation. The gospel is an invitation. If you think about invitations, they are always articulated or spoken or written. They're structured. They have a who, a what, when, where, how. And they are results-oriented. They have a yes or no answer, right? When you get an invitation in the mail to a wedding, you, ha- you respond in some way to that invitation. The gospel is the same way. So many people have this idea that uh, preach the gospel at all times and when necessary, use words. 
People have this concept of, okay, I'm going to preach the gospel at all times, and when necessary, use words. Listen, that, is, that's, that doesn't make sense. Supposedly, St. Francis said this, but a, a few uh, thoughts is St. Francis was a saint. None of us are saints. Uh, he never said that. It was proven by scholars. And it's just plain bad theology. Listen, our job is to preach or proclaim the gospel, meaning we voice it, meaning the words come out of our mouth, the gospel. We don't pantomime, charade, or act out the gospel, right? Listen, if Ohio State beats Michigan, y'all are going to make sure everybody knows, right? You're going you're gonna to hoop and holler, and, and especially if there's a Michigan fan in here. I feel bad for you guys. But you're going you're gonna to get in their face, and, or not meanly, but you're going to make sure they know it, and you're going to use words to vocalize, hey, we whooped your butt, right? You're going to use words. It's the same thing. When we're excited about something, when we have a passion about something, you know, we're going to use words to talk about it. We're not going to try to pantomime or charade or act it out. We're going to actually use our words to give that invitation to invite people into the kingdom of God, to invite people to know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. And that mission is for everyone in this room. No one's exempt. No, not by age, not by handicap, not by intelligence, not by whatever you want to come, whatever excuse you want to come up with, you're not exempt from this mission. I, I, I would go far as to say that uh, if you're not doing this, you may not have a real relationship with Jesus Christ. It may just be head knowledge. It may just be, well, this is what my tradition is. I show up, I come to church, I sit in a pew. That's what I do. That's who I am. But are you sharing the gospel? If you're not sharing the gospel, I would question your salvation because, the, because when you experience the love and joy of Jesus Christ and, and what he has done in your life, you're going to want to share that with individuals. You're going to share that with people that you come into contact with. The second thing that I want to talk about is that mission is going to take us to new places. When we're obedient to the mission that God has given us, it's going to take us to new places. It's really cool to be able to go on missions trips to Peru, to Haiti, uh, to Belize, to Puerto Rico, to Alaska. These are all the places I've been. That's really cool. But the, the fact remains, most of you guys aren't ever going to go on that kind of trip. Or you may not have the opportunity to, or you may just not be able to, whatever it is. Whether it's your work, whether it's financially, whether you've just never committed to that, at some point, you know, you may not be able to go on a missions trip to a foreign place. But that's not what I'm talking about in this portion of the scripture. It's not going to another country. It's not going to a, a, even another state. It's your neighborhood. It's Allen County. It's Lima. It's Bath. It's Shawnee. It's, it's wherever you live. That's your mission field. It's going to take you to new places. There's places on your street that you have never been. There's houses on your street that you don't know who lives there. Do you know your neighbors? Do you know where, they're, where they are at in correlation to the gospel? Do you? Do you know that? There's new places on your street. There's new places around the corner. There's new places on the other side of the block. There's new places all around Lima that you have not been to. Maybe it's 4th Street. Maybe it's the, the south end of Lima. Where is it? There's places that you have not been in Lima, but when you give in to the mission of the gospel, when you, when you are obedient to the mission that God has given us, it's going to take you to these new places. 
It's going to take you to the places that you never thought you would go before. Listen, Peter never thought he would step foot in a Gentile's house. It was against their culture. It was against their political nature. It was against everything in him to step through that door, to go into that mission field that he had never been before. It's going to take you, when you give into the mission, it's going to take you to the, the kids who play in the street and drive you nuts because they're playing basketball on the street and you just want to drive through and get to your house. It's going to take you to the, and, and I'm guilty of this, the, tr- the gray Dodge pickup that comes through my neighborhood at 1130 at night and revs up his engine as he's going down the street by my house. I swear, he puts it in neutral and just revs it as he's going. But when I give into the mission, when I give into being obedient to what God has called me to do, the gospel is going to take me there. It's going to take me to the people and the places that I don't want to go, I never expected to go, everything in me says not to go. When we're willing to give into the mission, it's going to take us out of our comfort zone. It's going to take us to a place that we've never been before. And that place may be two houses over, it may be a street over, wherever it is, wherever it is maybe, it's, maybe it's in your work. Maybe it's four cubicles over or, or two offices down or maybe it's you know, in another building. When you give in to the mission of the gospel, it's going to take you to new places. It's going to take you to new situations. Um, the last one that I want to talk about is you're going to have to cross barriers and you're going to have to cross those thresholds to fulfill that mission, Right? When we realize that we've all been given this specific task, and when we are obedient in doing that task, it's going to take us to new places. But when we get to those places, we're going to have to cross those barriers. We're going to have to cross those thresholds to really fulfill that mission. And I'm, this, and I'm not talking, obviously, literal barriers or borders. I'm talking about the invisible ones that exist between you and those that don't know Christ. What are those, those, in, those invisible barriers, those invisible thresholds that are between you and those who don't know Jesus Christ? There are people that you're going to encounter every day on one side of that door. They're on the other side of the door. And your job is to cross the threshold to meet them where they're at. Listen, Peter crossed a political threshold in this moment. Listen, Democrats need Jesus. Okay? And they don't need us yelling at them on Facebook. All right? That's, that doesn't edify anybody. It doesn't edify you. It doesn't edify the church. It doesn't edify a relationship that that person, you're, you're, you're giving them a negative connotation of Jesus when you get on Facebook and you yell at them over Facebook because of their political status. Listen, I know people in here who do that, and it's wrong. You're hurting the church. You're hurting the message of the gospel when you do that. Peter crossed a cultural barrier. He crossed a cultural barrier. He crossed a social barrier. He crossed a a traditional threshold. He crossed uh, whatever it was that he needed to cross, he did it in order to share the message of the gospel with the people who are on the other side of that door. Listen, how much color is there really in this room? How much? There's not much. Listen, there's an ethnic barrier that needs to be crossed to share the mission of the gospel. 
I've never seen this more than in my student ministry. In our student ministry, I love it and hate it at the same time, but I have three groups on, on, on Wednesday nights. I have my African-American group, I have my uh, Hispanic or Latino group, and I have my Caucasian church kids group. And no matter what I do, those groups never really mesh. And I try so hard because I know that there's beauty in the diversity of the church. Because I know that there's beauty in the fact that we can bring things that they can't, and they can bring things we can't. Listen, we need to cross those thresholds. We need to cross those barriers because, listen, lives are on the line. There are people across the street who are dying and going to hell. And we're not willing to go where they're at, to meet them where they are. We've got to be able to cross that threshold. Because here's the thing, all right? Sometimes this is what we like to do. We like to, you know, we're like, okay, I'm going to give in to the mission, all right? God, I'm going to be obedient, okay? Uh, I'm going to go to the place, right? I'm going to walk up. But what happens is we never cross that barrier. We never step over that threshold. We like to stand out here. We like to stand out here and we like to yell at them or, or stand back here and we're like, hey, how are you? I want to present the gospel to you. Listen, that is not receptiveness. You're going to be receptive to somebody 10 feet away from your door or never step a foot into your house to talk to you? We've got to cross the threshold. We've got to be willing to go into their zone, into their area, to share the message of the gospel. We can't stand here and shout out them. This is what I'm talking about on Facebook. We can't stand out here and shout at them, hey, Democrat, you're wrong. Or you should be about this, right? Those conversations can happen, but they've got to happen in love. And they've got to happen face-to-face, not through a screen. I've ne- the, the farther we get into life, I've never seen so much bullying by the church through social media. We've got to stop. We've got to stop standing out here and shouting at them. And we've got to be willing to go to them. And we've got to be willing to sit down on their couch and to be able to Talk to them face to face and to say, hey, I love you. But you know who loves you more? Jesus. And this is what he did because of his love for you. And this is why I love you. We've got to be willing to cross the threshold. We can't just, it's not enough to say, I'm going to be obedient to the mission and I'm going to walk to the place. But when we get there, we've got to be willing to cross. We've got to be willing to step foot on the other side. Because lives are on the line. People's eternity is on the line. If you read uh, the next chapter, verse 11, or chapter 11, Peter gets pushback in chapter 11. Uh, it's not on the screen, uh, but if you've read it before, what happens is um, Peter gets pushback from uh, other followers of the church back in Jerusalem. Because he stepped foot into a Gentile's house. He gets pushback. He gets people being like, why did you do this? Like, why would you go to that place and meet with those people? And Peter gives him a response out of love. And he defends what God had commissioned him to do. And because Peter was obedient, even when Peter knew, Peter knew. He knew before he ever went through that door, he knew that there was going to be things that he, there was going to be a fallout of some kind that he would have to deal with. 
There's going to be, somebody's going to be mad about it. Somebody's going to say, why were you walking into Harry's hideaway? Right? Don't be that person. Don't be that person who sees somebody going to somewhere to share the gospel with people. Because listen, it was Christians. People who call them Christians that were pushing back at Peter. It wasn't the world. It was Christians. It was those who sat in a pew on Sunday mornings. Don't be that person. Be someone who encourages your friends and family to go into the world and to preach the gospel. Because when we commit wholeheartedly to the mission and we cross those barriers, we're going to get pushed back. And so be ready for it. Know that when you cross that threshold, you're going to get pushed back of some kind, whether it's from a Christian, whether it's from the world, whether it's from the enemy, you're going to get pushed back of some kind. Because Satan doesn't like it when we win people to Christ. He doesn't like it when people leave the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. Satan doesn't like that. And he, and he like Pastor Al says all the time, he doesn't have to go outside of these walls to do that. I want to end with this. 1 Corinthians 9, uh, 9 through 22, it says, Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, so that uh, so though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law. Though I am not free, though I am not free from God's law, but I am under Christ's law. So as to win those not having the law, the weak I became weak. To the win the weak, I have become all things to all people, so that all possible means I might save some. Now, if you're like me, you're like, there's a lot of knots, there's a lot of law, there's like. Blah, 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 blah. This is what it says in the message version. It says, even though I am free of the demands and expectations of everyone, I have voluntarily become a servant to any and, in all, in, and all in order to reach a wide range of people, religious, non-religious, meticulous moralist, loose living immoralist, the defeated, the demoralized, whoever. I didn't take on their way of life. I kept my bearings in Christ, but I entered into their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. I've become just about every ser- sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. I did all this because of the message. I didn't just want to talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. I didn't just want to talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. This should be our heart. This should be our mission. This is how we should respond to the fact that Jesus has saved you. Listen, don't play games and show up and sit in the church on Sunday mornings at 11 a.m. and listen to this message and say, Pastor, good job, and complain about the worship or whatever it is. Listen, your job is not, as a Christian is not to come to church. Just in case you didn't know that. Church is to equip you to go to the world. Church is about equipping you to go into the world. And so when you come into church, be ready. Be ready to be poured into so that when you step out of those doors, you're taking the gospel message with you. And people are, some of you, this is a a saying that's been told a lot, you may be the only Jesus that some people see. And are you doing a good job of modeling who Jesus is? and how he thinks about those individuals. 
I think there's a lot of Peters in the room this morning. Sometimes I'm one myself. Listen, it's not easy. It's not easy to go to a place you've never been or into a home you don't know them. Or Listen, it's not easy. It's, it's not. There's a lot of Peters in this room, myself included sometimes. You grew up in a good family, you're in, a, in a Christian background. You probably have a bit of pride in your family and in your nation, much like Peter. But you also put God in a box of limitations, just like Peter. You act like he only works in certain ways at certain times and in certain people groups, much like Peter. But in this story, Peter gets shaken to his core. He gets shaken up. The Holy Spirit shakes him up in this moment. And I would encourage you, man, allow the Holy Spirit to shake you up. Allow him to to reshape your thinking, retrain your heart, retrain your brain, and be shaken up in this moment. Because I know that if we're willing, God is going to use us to impact Lima, to share the gospel, to see new people come into this church, not because we went and stood out their door, but because we went and we put ourselves in their world and we shared the gospel with them and they received the love and hope and message of Jesus Christ. And so this morning during our invitation, all of you came in and there was a little piece of paper on your pew. And what I want you to do during this time is as Robin gets ready to sing and play here in a second, man, I just want you to take the opportunity to reflect and write on that piece of paper what's keeping you from it. What's keeping you from giving in to the mission of God? What's keeping you from going to new places? What's keeping you from crossing over the threshold? What is it? Is it pride? Is it fear? Is it tradition? Is it ethnicity? Is it economic status? Is it our social status? Is this a, a political affiliation? Is it something cultural? What's keeping you? Whatever it is, I want to encourage you, just write that down on that piece of paper. Write it down. Get it out of your heart, out of your head, and onto paper. And during uh, the invitation, if you want to, I just encourage you, if you're really ready to commit to the mission, if you're really ready for the gospel to take you to new places and to cross those thresholds so that people would come to know Jesus Christ, I encourage you, stand up, during the invitation, come up here and just lay it on the stage as a sign of surrender. Just say, I'm no longer going to let this keep me from sharing the gospel with people that I come into contact with. I'm no longer going to let this keep me from going through that door and experiencing their world so that I can share the gospel with them. And maybe you're here this morning and you're like, this guy's crazy. And maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so you, you're not even don't even know what I'm talking about because you don't even know Jesus. If you want to know who Jesus is, you want to know what he can do for you in your life, and you want to experience the love that he has for you, you can come down front as well, and I can pray for you. But I just want everyone to stand up, and as we get ready to sing and reflect, use this time to reflect. And if you're ready and willing and able, take that piece of paper, bring it down, and place it on a stage and saying, I surrender.
Heavenly Father, God, we come to you. God, we thank you for this time of equipping. God, we thank you for your word and the lessons that you teach us through it. God, I ask that you would take us out of this building this morning into the world. God, that we would be in the world, but not of it. God, that we would be sharing the message of the gospel with people that we come into contact with. People that, Lord, I pray that we would find people outside of our circle of influence, outside of our, our zone of comfortability. And God, that we would go and we would show the love of Christ to them. And that they, we, we would let the love of Christ lead to an opportunity to present the message of the gospel. And so that we could give that invitation to others and invite them to join the kingdom of God. Lord, I ask that you would give us boldness. God, that you would give us strength and endurance and perseverance in this. And God, we just pray, Lord, that you would be working a miracle, even after this miracle series, God, that you would be working miracles in our own hearts and in this community, God. We pray these things in your name, Father. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Lima Baptist Temple podcast. We hope you are encouraged today, and we would love to hear from you. If you have a prayer request, a topic you would like to discuss, or want to share what God is doing in your life, visit us online at limabaptisttemple.org forward slash central hub.